Well, hello, everybody. Once again, welcome to After Further Review with Mark Ferrer, John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor on the board. As always, happy Friday. Though, frankly, Mark, the days of the week have any meaning to you? No, when you said that, I thought, is it Friday? Is it actually Friday? <laughs> First of all, we all, all three of us have done a lot of work in and around theme parks, which are open 24-7, 365. Yeah. And generally, if you're contracted or you're full-time, you know, there are, are a handful of people who work Monday to Friday, but you work, you don't. Know, you know, having week I had weekends off once the whole 20 plus years I had a contract. Well, for one year, I had Saturdays and Sundays off. But normally you have different days off. So days of the week, you know, fall apart. You, you start yeah. you lose that. And then with this whole pandemic thing and being shut in, I, I honestly, every no idea. every day I have to check in and see what day it is. Well, that's the thing. You know, that's that's where you have it over me. You actually check in. <laughs> I've given up. The checking in part, I really have. I'm, 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 I'm not good at. How uh, close are you to giving up that, just that self care part of uh, of humans that is required to survive a pandemic? How uh, how close are you to just giving up? Period. Oh, oh, that's happened. That's oh, already well, for happened. Everything. I got I to gotta be honest. No. I, I really hope this thing works out, too, because I really worry about both of you. This has to work or I really I feel like. The, I, no, seriously, dude. Here's a couple of things to remember, Jeff. Yeah. We're not worth worrying about either of us. And uh, there's there's really nothing to worry about. It's over. It's a, the dream is over. What can I say? I'm more of a glass I half full the guy. the dream weaver. And now I'm reborn. I, I love the walrus. Now I'm Paul. There we go, Ben. All right. A lot to talk about on the show today. <laughs> the playoffs are getting really, really fun. Phenomenal. I, I know I picked on the NBA playoffs even in the first round. I was like, um... You know, I'm having trouble gearing up for it. But, boy, it has turned into fun. Buzzer beater last night that was just amazing uh, for the Raptors. A lot of fun stuff there. The NHL, we have two game sevens today. One this afternoon uh, as we tape here a little after 2 o'clock and just less than two hours. And a game seven tonight at 9 o'clock. The NFL is a week from today. We'll be talking about the first real NFL game, Mark. How is that possible? It's remarkable. It's remarkable. And we're going to have some, uh, you know, we're going to have a little fun uh, parlor game with uh, headlines for today, a week from today. So that'll be a lot of fun. What's that headline going to be that day? Is it going to be about the game itself, the level of play? I've heard I've heard a couple of uh, pundits today talking about what I talked about after watching that first college football game, which that, uh, uh, you know, don't expect a plus performance by teams because of everything they've gone through. So it's really going to be fun. Uh, will I, it be about- I, I don't think the headline will have anything to do with the game. Will it have will it have to do with lack of fans in the stands? Well, who who knows? But before I, I would be remiss if we did not mention um, uh, the passing of Tom Seaver. Uh, Seaver passed away, seventy five years of age. He had been suffering from uh, Alzheimer's disease. I caught a documentary on Tom Seaver just a month and a half ago or so. Um, he was uh, he had a winery out in Northern California. Had a great life. Unfortunately. Uh, came down with Alzheimer's disease and then passed away due to uh, coronavirus. Uh, had something to do with it as well. Um, but he is one of Mark, one of the first baseball players of memory for me. The first baseball players that I can remember, and I mentioned on the show when I did the the uh, Mets Amazing Mets deep dive, 1969. I was five years old. That was the first year, first year that I'd ever gone to a baseball game. Went to two. I went to a Senators game. Ted Williams was the manager, and I went to see the. Uh, Future at that point, um, AL pennant winners, the Baltimore Orioles. 
Um, but Tom Seaver, for, for my memory now, at 56, my, the two players um, uh, that I remember, probably the two first players I remember, Tom Seaver and Roberto Clemente. Those are the first two names that I remember of baseball. Um, Seaver, one of the one of the all-time greats, known as a Met, threw his no-hitter as a Red, eventually ended up in was on the 86 Red Sox was not on the roster for the for the uh for the World Series the playoffs but uh just one of the all-time greats and uh you know this is something men our age and women our age who are fans of sport people our age everyone our age whatever gender fluid I don't care um this is going to start happening more and more the players that we first were presented with are you know, they're reaching their mid-70s, Mark. And as a man who's, you know, right around the buffet from that, but given the way you handle the buffet, you may never get there. Uh, but, 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 but as, you know. Although, although if I if I never go past the gruel, I may, I may you make might it. live longer. As right. opposed to, you know, you getting all the eggs benedict and, and everything else, you know, loaded on top of, you know, fried, you know, get, fried egg upon what fried like get, what I like to get ham. From- from, here's yeah. what I like to get from the breakfast buffet. <laughs> I like to get a. I like uh, gruel. I, I like, like gruel. He, Mark's got a bowl of gruel and some melon, um, largely melon rind too. You 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 struggle picking proper melon, um, and that is not a euphemism though. I'm going to use it as one somewhere <laughs> down the line. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I want a. I want a bagel with cream sure. cheese. Sure. Uh, locks, chives, onion, tomato. I want that, and I want that with the hollandaise sauce from the uh, Eggs Benedict on top of it. Wrap it in the Canadian bacon. Wrap the whole thing in a blueberry pancake. Deep fry it. Okay? Yeah. And I don't know what you're laughing about. No, Deep no, no. It's, it. it's hilarious. And then cover it with uh, eggs. Seems very involved. Rod. And then cover it with eggs goldenrod, which is this, uh, um, it's a boil, hard-boiled egg that then is uh, broken up with a bechamel sauce. So that's what I'm having. Mark's having gruel and melon rind. Sir, is there anything else we can get you? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no, I can't eat another thing. Here's <laughs> a waffle thing. Well, you're right about uh, about the fact that, you know, we're, we're getting to that age where, you know, people that we have admired in entertainment or sports or actual humans that are our friends, uh, <laughs> you know, this is just what happens. It's part of life. And uh, we're, we're you know, we're getting into that uh, act three, Johnny. So, uh, you know, most people, a lot of people's act three are, you know, Tom Seaver's act three was great with the winery. And, mm. he, you know, he had. He, he could just, you know, sort of just be Tom Seaver because, to your point, he was literally one of the best pitchers of all time. And people recognize that early on. Hank Aaron, the great thing about Hank Aaron, seeing him at the All-Star game, like in 67. And he came up in 65, for crying out loud, yeah. Tom Seaver. He's but 20, he said, I, he said I see you, kid. I see you. And pretty, pretty soon, everybody's going to see you. And uh, he was right. You know, two years later, they win the World Series, and, and Tom Seaver you know, a remarkable 3,600 or something like that strikeouts and well over 300 wins, I believe. And yeah, uh, it might've gotten to 400 if he hadn't played on some really bad Mets teams. Uh, so with some he, run support, <laughs> just remarkable. So, and, and set, but 75 does seem young, you know, the older we get, you know, it, the, right. the very famous saying is that, Oh yeah, I don't want to live. And I talked, I talked to people in my, my, um, uh, 
others have said to me, you know, I don't want to live. I don't want to live past. I don't want to be 94. I don't want to. I don't want to be 98. No, I don't want to be 98. I said, you don't want to be 98 now, but the night before your 98th birthday, you're thinking, <laughs> ah, 99, 100 might be okay. My, I, have a, I have an uncle who I believe he will be, it'll be, he'll either be 95 or 96 in December, World War II veteran. And uh, he had a great quote about it. He said, you know, when I was in my 70s, I thought, eh, you know, really, let's start getting, getting our affairs in order. And uh, when he hit 80, he's like, well, probably any day now. And uh, he said when he turned 90, he went, hell, I'm living forever. So I think you just sort of get to that point. Uh, but, yeah, and the thing is, it's like it, it now it's not even and certainly it's sad. It was covid related. He had Alzheimer's disease. But some of our our uh, youthful idols are, are are just passing away of old age. Well, and, Willie Mays is 89. For instance. Right. It's a young 89, though. I agree, but it's 89 for crying out loud. I know. You know, Bobby Morris, one of one of the, the actors I've always admired. And of course, to, uh, of course. Uh, is 89 as well. Let I just get, checked back into the uh, OJ, the OJ, uh, you know, the Ryan Murphy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, OJ, the people versus OJ Simpson. Terrific, by the way. It's great. It's it. It totally holds up. But Bobby Morris is in that playing Dominic Dunn doing a great doing great work. And he's like 85. You know, he's 85 and getting cast. But and, and Willie Mays is still out making appearances. But, yeah, that's old. Yeah. That's old. John. Right. It's no it's not, you know, because some people sadly get diseases or die of accidents. and stuff. Now our idols are, are, are passing along just because they're old, which just illustrates how old we are. You really want to feel old. Grace Slick is over 80, by the way. Grace Slick, I believe, will turn 81 this year. Wow. I know. 1939. My goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was 30 by the end of the 60s. So she was a little bit older. Uh, So there you go. Older than Ringo, older than John. Yep. Who were, you know, of that generation. They were sort of the oldest ones. John Lennon would have been 80. Yep, in October. And Ringo is 80. All right. Ringo looking great, though. Good good for him. A huge fan. All right. So that's it. Tom Seaver, the passing of Tom Seaver, one of the all-time greats. Any of the kids listening to us, any any kids in your family listen, Mark? Anybody uh, young enough who wouldn't know Tom Seaver? I was just going to say, go search him out. But, you know, everybody. Both, both, my, kids, both my kids claim to listen occasionally, yeah. mm-hmm. and I, I think they probably do. And I, I will say to them right now, go on the greatest website ever, baseballreference.com, no and just check out Tom Seaver. I didn't just check out the seasons he had, the remarkable years, the remarkable consistency, uh, the career ERA, the number of wins, the number of strikeouts. It's it's a stellar career. Uh, out, he is he is the in the top tier of Hall of Fame pitchers, I would say, John. You know, he he's a he's a he arguably a top 10 pitcher of all time. I don't think there's any doubt. What was that, Jeff? I wasn't aware that the dad from Growing Pains was a pitcher. <laughs> I don't think his name was Tom. I think I don't know what. I have to, we'll have to look that one up. Growing if you Pains. have to look it up, it was Tom. It was Tom? No, 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 no. no. Oh, Just okay. Saying. It might have been. It very well may have been. R.I.P. as well. Uh, yeah. The dad from Growing Pains? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, he's the guy that went on to uh, host. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's gone. What's that? That's right. Forgotten. Lenny Lenny just said Clint Eastwood is ninety. That's hard to believe. Clint just, you know, death shows up. What? Hey, it's death. It's time. Not now. Tom Hanks has a great story about uh, uh, Clint Eastwood. 
doesn't yell action when he's on the set. He doesn't, you know, you see the classic, if you've never been on a movie set, and I barely have. Mark, though, I mean, when somebody says, uh, we need a cue list, list Bobby Morse, Mark's there. That's the guy they call. <laughs> um, Thank you. I appreciate Q. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate Q. You're you're moving up. You're moving yeah. up the list, uh, Mark. Um, but uh, he he said, you know, Clint doesn't say action, and it's because he rawhide the television show was really where Clint made his or was or most uh, his most success in his youth, and you know it's a western, and he said they had directors who would go action, and it would scare the horse, and every time he said if you watched. The, the show, every time that the, they have to take off the horse, there'd be sort of a leap with the horse, which isn't what it's supposed to be like, uh, so that Clint doesn't do that. And when Clint's ready for you to go, he just goes, go ahead. And uh, it, I, I think Hanks in one interview said it's almost more intimidating because <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. oh, OK, I'm going to go ahead. Anyway, uh, enough about Clint Eastwood. Gonna be is ninety already. Good God! All right, let's uh, let's get to our progressive trivia, and then we'll dive into this playoff stuff because it is an awful lot of fun. Highly looking, exciting. Looking for a major league baseball player, Mark? I'll ask you. Did you like this one? I did. I had no clue. No clue. And it was a hard one to put together because the 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 clues in the third set of clues. I couldn't really put any of them higher because most of them are, with the exception of one, they kind of are giveaway clues. Jason Seaver, by the way, the name, not Tom Seaver. Lenny Rowe uh, letting us know it's Jason Seaver. Now I remember that. I I watched Growing Pains. Uh, I I hate to admit. All right, here we go. Look for an NFL, uh, excuse me, Major League Baseball player, past or present. Here then, the clues. I've spent 10-plus seasons in the majors. I'm a seven-time All-Star. Played with Melky Cabrera and Matt Kemp. And my one-loss record is seven games over 500 for my career. That's a good clue. Yeah, seven games over 500, seven-time All-Star. Yeah. So there you go. Just one more time for those of you listening uh, on the podcast. 10-plus seasons in the majors, seven-time All-Star. Played with Melky Cabrera, Matt Kemp. One-loss record, seven games over 500. So there you go. Start the guessing. Jason Seaver is incorrect. Um, all right. Uh, let's let's talk a little about. Let's start with the NBA. Um, remarkable buzzer beater yesterday for the uh, for the Raptors uh, to pick up to, to win one after being down two nothing to the Celtics. Just the old school tired question is. Is this where the Raptors turn it around and now have the Celtics seen the best of their play for this series? Mark? Well, if you remember last year, Kawhi Leonard had that buzzer beater that hit the rim, oh, I don't know, 18 times before it actually (laughs) fell in. And uh, that was against Milwaukee. Uh, and, And that got them through. I mean, that didn't win the series, but... That gave them the momentum. But I feel like that series was a lot closer than this series has been. I mean, this series is a miraculous shot after a miraculous yeah. cross-court pass, oh, by the way, from being 3 nothing. Right. So a half it, second. I believe there was a half second on the clock or six-tenths of a second. So there was less than a second when the pass was made cross-court, caught, shot, in. You know, it was in the air when the buzzer sounded. Unbelievable, right? Miraculous. Uh, but they were with you know, they were a miracle away from being down three nothing. So I don't know. I think 
you know, maybe it wakes up Toronto. We, we all agree Toronto is very, very talented. But we also agree that Boston is probably the best team in terms of playing as a team. We all love the coach. And we all think that he knows how to get the best out of his players. So I don't think it's going to rattle Boston that much necessarily. But it certainly was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think, Obviously, if they'd come out and they just beaten them hands down, I might feel that way. Jeff, you watch a lot more NBA than either Mark or I. Um, I, I think it could have the opposite effect. I, I think that the Celtics probably know it's a game they should have won, I think. Um, what are your feelings about how they bounce back from from this miracle finish? I think that Boston, it depends on the kids, on uh, Tatum and Brown, whether or not those guys are the kinds of guys that can put on, pull up their boots and, and go back and start winning. Because I do think that Toronto is going to feel really good coming off of that game and going into the next game. So this series could be tied after the next game. It's interesting, though, John. I'll tell you that the game itself was it seemed like Boston was in control for most of it but then in the third quarter it was the leads were going back and forth back and forth back and forth the whole game you know the whole second half pretty much yeah so it's it wasn't as if it was a game that was in hand outside of the last 0.5 seconds right you know there was a lay, Boston made a layup with 0.5 seconds left to go up too you know what i mean so it's not as if I just think if it had been a fight card, this is why I, because I watched a lot of this game. I just think if it had been a fight card, if uh, take the score out, Boston probably would have won on points on the fight card because I think there were longer periods in the game where, to me, Boston looked like the better team. But to the point, they missed a lot of shots, um, particularly in that third quarter, I think, uh, and uh, they they just looked like the better team. But you're right. In the second half, they... um, it was anyone's game in the second it, half. I do yeah. think Boston was in control in the first half for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it, I, I just think I think it's going to be very, very interesting. It'd be it'd be fun. Again, we're kind of a little bit fingers crossed for if our um, if our heart doesn't prevail. My Clippers love whoever you guys like. Uh, a Boston Lakers final would be would be more fun than enough. Um, and, and who would have thought Miami? May very well be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, never, N- no chance. And I they're up two nothing in Milwaukee. Or yeah, it's two not. Is it three nothing? It might be three nothing. Guys, I would like to point out that there is someone on this show, not not one of the main players, but there is someone on the show that thinks that the best coach in the NBA coaches the Miami Heat. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna duck out now. You guys can have this argument again for twenty minutes or so if you like. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would not have thought that, Mark. They are up 2-0, by the way. Um, I, I, because I said coming in, I thought this was perfectly set up for Milwaukee to make the run in the East. I, I really thought they would win. I thought they were the best team and thought they would win, but uh, didn't think that. Can we jump to the other uh, Western Conference game yesterday, Clippers-Nuggets? Um, oh, that was a game? Yeah. I, this is kind of – this is what I thought would be. This kind of going in chalk for me. I thought – the Nuggets, that was great and for the last series. It was a nice little story. But I, I think if the Clippers are going to fail, if they're going to become the Clippers, that if, if it's going to be the Doc Rivers issue that we talk about where they, they have you know, 10 Seifers playoff teams to underperform a little bit, um, then I think that'll be in the finals. I think they kind of waltz through this round against the Nuggets. Don't you think, though, that Portland and Houston – 
are the perfect warm-up acts to face the Clippers for L.A.? Because they're they're not getting an easy ride. I mean, Portland was the hottest team. I you know I guess if if you can measure eight games and who's the hottest, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) right. I mean, but they were hot coming in, quote unquote. Now Houston, you know, loaded with talent. You know, won a very tense seven game series. And how about James Harden with his being terrible offensively and. All of a sudden, he has a defensive game. Huge defensive play at the end to win yeah. the game. And he played well defensively actually throughout James Harden did, oddly. So we'll see what happens. I think I think the challenges that Portland uh, brought to the fore and the challenges that Houston will bring to the fore will prepare L.A. for the series. And I I look forward, I, you know, I, I certainly rooting for the Lakers, and I hope they, you know, take care of business with Houston. And I anticipate a epic series, an epic series. Clippers and uh, Lakers. Remember Portland? Was it Portland, Los Angeles? The first year of uh, Shaq and Kobe, the first year they won the title. It was that seven-game series. It was before they faced Sacramento in some of those classic uh, matchups. But it was the first, and I think it was a seven-game series against the Trailblazers. Those are the Arvidas-Sabonis Trailblazer teams, were they not? I don't know exactly, but I I remember that being just a back and forth and just just heavyweight battle just you know rocky versus apollo creed just taking huge blow after a huge blow and i could i can see that being the case for clippers and uh, lakers coming up yeah and i th- and i've said in the west i think the rockets in my mind is the team that could surprise everybody and, i agree and, and, and make the run yeah i yeah i guess i should have prefaced that by saying yeah houston's going to present a lot of challenges for los angeles that said they got taken to seven games and that was a big win for them but uh we'll see what they have for their legs tonight uh that game again comes up uh, nine o'clock tonight so all kinds of great stuff and my wife's all tied up doing something else so it's just gonna be nothing but me watching sports and drinking scotch it's a great time of year and we forgot when we were talking about that i forgot the the u.s open uh uh right is is, yeah. is coming up as well. The U.S. Open in tennis is going on right now. The U.S. Open in golf is happening in September. Honestly, it, it's just it's it's incredible. September it, will be will go down as the greatest sports month in all of it. September twenty twenty will go down as the greatest sports month in the history of sports. In, in the their, worst in, year in the history of the country. In, yeah, in in the worst year of the planet, <laughs> certainly in the country in the last. Uh, Eighty bad years. years for the planet, though the, the you know wiping out of the dinosaur thing that was that was a tough year for for folks. True. I, I, True. I think we could probably find a couple of years in history of this t- country that are worse too. Um, oh, in in the last eighty years, um, and and I would say I would say for sure the last seventy years, you know, since World War II. But I I wouldn't say uh, I'm and I would say the Civil War is worse than coronavirus in a every year. Economy. Yeah, every the Great year. Great Depression. Every year of the Civil War, yes, was worse than 2020. All right. As a Civil War uh, expert. Every would, single would... year of the Civil War was worse than 2020, John. I don't think 1861. I don't think it was worse than 2020. I agree was. with John. 1861. Pretty good 1861 year. 1861 gets way too much credit for being a horrible year. I'd like to say on this show that I believe 1861 is overcredited with being a horrible year. Well, it's it, it's when it started, for crying out loud. Yeah, I know. I know, but still, that's that was, true. That was like you're, April, you're, first few months it, were. It was April. You're right, and and you're right. Actually, a lot of people early in the war thought it was going to be this pastoral event to to take a picnic basket out and watch did. the battle. Both you're sides, a right. lot of hope still. 
Yeah, yes. right. Exactly. Yes. So you're right. So 63, late 63, 64. 62, though, you start you start piling yeah. in. Uh, late 62 you know, with Antietam and all that. Uh, Shiloh was 62 as well. Uh, so, okay, so 62, 62, 63, and 64. And I would also say 65 because the president was assassinated. What are the I odds? Would, what's what the, the odds <laughs> that any other sports talk podcast is discussing the, the relative – Bad years. Horribleness of uh, civil war year. If you're looking, if you're looking, Greenberg couldn't do this. If you're looking for a well-rounded show, come to After Further Review. If you want just guys talking about the same old sports stuff, go elsewhere. That everyone else is talking about. Oh, by the way, Uh, I know, I know. I tried. What I have to say when it's when it's your day to to put the menu together, Mark. I don't generally uh, watch a. I, I watch the highlight stuff. You know, obviously, I'm watching games at night and stuff. And and, I, and as I've said on the show before, when I get caught up watching games, I have less to talk about than I do, you know, because I'm just dialing into that game. And nobody wants me to go upside the end down of the, of, of you know. And they did the third quarter with two minutes and 53 seconds left. Their shooting percentage dropped off by 11% the first four minutes of the fourth quarter. And I think that's when it came apart. <laughs> uh, but uh, when... Uh, when you're doing when you're doing a show, I I, I like to get the menu, and then I, I kind of like to approach it a little more, uh, you know, a little more organically. I guess is the thing, um, and I would much prefer. I, I don't even for no preparation, no preparation whatsoever. Uh, I don't even know why I went off on that tangent. Uh, I'm still still trying to think of if I think 1862 is worse than this year, uh, but it probably was. I'll, I'll give you 1862 three. And, I, and I would say, and I would say probably you know 19. I don't know what 36. So you're you're still in the middle of the of the depression, and then the Dust Bowl happens. I mean that was yeah pretty that's bad. pretty crappy year. I would also say 1918 after you know. I would say 1918 in Europe was yeah, a pretty bad. worse year. Yep. For uh, f- than than this year in America. Because 1945 get- in Europe. Uh, 1945, the year in the 20th century that had the most fatalities of any other year. 1945. How about yeah, any time in the mid 30s in Russia? Not good. <laughs> right. 35, 36, 37. The Great Purges. You don't want to be in Russia during that time. No, you you'd really r- much rather be in the United States in 2020. You would. And I was going to you go back to 68, but Beggar's Banquet came out in 68. So, I mean, there are a lot of good things happening back then, too. 68 was a rough year for this country. There's no doubt about it. Political assassinations. The war was going horribly and uh, all the riots in the streets. And it was uh, chaos, but not like this. Well, let me ask you this, though. Will Will 2020 elevate to the worst year in human history if the Cardinals win the World Series? See, there it is. If if and again, what was great about what saved 68 was that the Tigers actually beat the Cardinals. Yep. Although that Cardinals team was worthy of rooting for. Bob Gibson, yeah. Lou Brock, Kurt Flood, Tim yeah. McCarver, I know, not one of your favorites. but uh, I Actually, I, you know, no, I, can I be, I'll be honest about it. I loved Tim McCarver as an announcer initially. Tim McCarver is the afternoon delight of announcers. We are. When we heard the song "Afternoon Delight" by the we Starlight Vocal Man, we were delighted. It was <laughs> whimsical, and oh, and, and you know, there's fun. there's some double entendre in that song. It's actually sure. sort of naughty, uh, yep. and uh, it was great. And then you know, the four thousandth time we heard it that week on the Top Forty station for me, that was WPGC in DC. 
uh, now we've tired of it. And that's kind of where we are with the Cardinals. I'm at the point now where the Cardinals play the Yankees in the World Series, and I ain't watching. That's kind of where I am. Although they, that's, that's a classic one. That's a classic. I know, but I hope they both lose. They're it's the two gonna. teams that have the most World Series wins in their respective leagues. I know. The, the uh, leagues that will soon be uh, archaic <laughs> and moot. All right, let's jump over to uh, anything else in the NBA before we jump over to the NHL that you wanted to. The, the, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to talking about the NHL. The, the right. fact that Jay Williams referred to to LeBron James as uh, Scotty Pippen, he was Dwayne Wade's <laughs> Scotty Pippen. I I got the biggest kick out of that. I I love when LeBron James gets a little humility, and uh, that was that was pretty funny. I don't agree with it, but it was pretty funny. I thought I thought uh, he was talking about Giannis being. Like he, Scotty. He, no, the other announcer was talking about Giannis being Scotty, and then Jay Williams said, uh, you know, LeBron in Miami was sort of Dwayne Wade's Scotty Pippen, and LeBron was not happy. Oh, come on, LeBron. It's just patently untrue. I, That's well, the thing. I do, it's why would you care? Untrue, I, I, do th- I do think it's, I do think it's a, he cared. I do think it's a better uh, analogy than saying he's like Michael Jordan. I, I always thought he was more of a Magic Johnson than anybody, but uh, but comparing him to Michael Jordan, I think Scottie Pippen's well, closer. Oh, I, I no, I I don't think you know because when you compare him to Scottie Pippen, you're not comparing him to the player of Scottie Pippen. Let's face it, we're, you're comparing him to being second banana on a team, and that comparison has holds no water, holds a lot less water than comparing LeBron James to John Pelkey for crying out loud. Well, yeah, you're right. He uh, was never the second banana on the Heat. To Dwayne Wade, he wasn't. Dwayne no, Wade, of course not. Dwayne Wade disagrees with you, but I think he may be the only one. <laughs> that's that's a hot take. That's hot. we don't do hot takes here. No, no hot takes. Though I do agree that uh, Magic Johnson is a better comparison. I agree maybe as well. than Jordan because of the versatility. I, and that's yeah, not. Well. The, you know, I mean, Michael Jordan may, may very well have been the single greatest player on the court at any point in time. I, I mean, I don't know how you, what you narrow those parameters down, but as far, you know, he wasn't going to post you up <laughs> at the five. And uh, I, I, you know, so that's probably a little bit a better comparison, but uh, why would LeBron care? Why would he even care at this point? I, I, doubt, he I doubt he cares. He, he responded. He responded on Twitter, uh, dropped some F-bombs, which I think is now his thing. But I uh, can't remember exactly what the tweet was, but it was basically, hey, I'm sitting here trying to prepare for my next series, minding my own business. You repair me. You compare me to Scottie Pippen uh, and then F that or F something. But anyway, it was pretty funny. LeBron, he got, he got LeBron. He wins. There's two things. There's three things that I don't like about that. First of all, that he, he, he did win by him responding like that. I think to your point, John, there's no need to worry. About, I mean, who cares? And number three, when he used the F-bomb when talking about social justice a week ago, you know, F this man, you know, oh, yeah. think things have to change. That was powerful. If he uses it all the time now, right. then it diminishes it. Though, Mark Twain and I'm going to misquote him, did say when someone asked him why he cursed, he said, because there are uh, damn few words in the English language that everyone understands, and those are among them. So I use them as often as possible. So I, eh, there's probably a little bit of truth to that. But I do agree. Yeah, he's uh, uh, I just don't. Again, you're punching down. Don't don't. You are the best player in basketball. Don't punch. Who cares what anyone says about you, especially some announcer? 
Golly. Right. And, and as someone who's been an announcer, is there any? I've said it. Former player, right? People like us are the lowest form of scum on the entertainment. We're just above Park Mimes. And, and who doesn't and a, want to beat a Park Mime senseless? Exactly. I, I would recommend everyone watch Tootsie again. The, toward the end of that movie, there's a great moment with uh, Dustin Hoffman and a mime. I was wandering through Golden Gate Park in between games of a doubleheader in San Francisco, and a mime came up to me, and I drove to a store, bought an Adirondack bat, and I beat him to a bloody pulp, because nothing bothers me more than a Park Mime. Lope sticks out of the box. <sighs> is it, is He's it joined too- Twitter. Is it too soon to say it would have been better if LeBron would have tweeted to Jay Williams, hey, watch out for that tree? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> too soon? Not soon enough. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I, I don't understand why he even cares about that. But Vin Scully is now on Twitter. On Twitter. And, and you saw the little video uh, opener lovely. that he had. He said, yes, come and we'll talk about our favorite sport at no controversy. I mean, the man's 92 and and just telling us what to do still. And right. making us feel good about it, making us feel good about talking baseball. And Mark he's, is immediately uh, Mark immediately treasure. says to me, "We need to start sending him audio of you doing evil Vin Scully." And it's I, like, I hey. think we should. We should. We should uh, take a clip from the Giants Dodgers deep dive. He'll appreciate that. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, three minutes in, unexpectedly, he'll hear himself. Lock him in and burn the place to the ground. You should definitely tweet that at him. I mean, you are missing a massive opportunity if you don't. I agree, oh, John, because right. even if Vin is upset with us, Vin yep. Scully is upset with after further review. That's a good thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could deal with that. Oh, Vin Scully on, being, you know, my parents being mad at me, my wife, don't, friends. Don't worry. Two seconds into his anger, he'll be calling the next at bat. So he'll be fine. I tell you, John, I couldn't be any matter. Oh, oh, little lope squares off the bunt. Nope, nope, doesn't happen. Um, uh, yeah, no, I couldn't. I, I don't want to piss off Vince Scully. Let's not even talk about it. I'm upset even talking about it. Let's move on to the, the NHL. The good, for the good news, uh, uh, Jeff, the good news is that we have the tape. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have it. And if two out of the three of us vote yes, then. And I've I know. ceded all ground on any sort of promotion to, to you. You, act, to you. you, you know me. You actually have. If you it were up to have. me, not only would we not be on YouTube, my name would not be attached to this, nor would I ever tell anyone to listen to it because I'm desperately afraid of being found out. That is my biggest fear, that someone listens and goes, that guy is an idiot. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's not funny. And that is literally the worst Vin Scully impersonation I have ever heard. So, I'd say, I, I, you know, luckily Mark's family is very, very generous towards me, except Nana, who hates me. I don't think she hates you. She, she pretty just much gets, me. She just gets annoyed, I think. She accuses me of things you did in high school. Said it was, <laughs> said it was me. <laughs> John, I'm I mad know. at you because of that night. You, 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 that day you skipped class. I was like, I, I didn't know you then. I don't, that, it's, it's not remotely possible that that was me. But anyway, let's jump. Let, let, let us jump to the NHL, because I honestly do believe you know, we're talking about. Is, is it the turnaround game for the Raptors? Um, I'm the one who does believe that after the two overtime victory last night by the Flyers, that they're going to take care of business against the Islanders. That does not make me happy in any way, shape or form. But I just think I thought going into the Flyers with a better team. And now I feel like that was that was the Islanders chance to win it. I know Jeff feels differently. Mark, what are your feelings about that? I know you're pro Flyers for some uh, uh, Flyers are my team. Flyers are my team, and uh, I call them my Flyers. Yep, your Flyers. And, and uh, I'm I'm excited 
beyond belief. You know, they came back again. They came back again. They came back two games in a row being down in the third period. And that's uh, impressive to me. And then, of course, it's two overtimes in this one. And uh, I'm excited. But, you know, Jeff was the one. Jeff has, whether it's picking progressive trivia or prognosticating games and or trends in a season or in a player, uh, since this show has begun, he, his, his accuracy is above 90%. Yeah. And so he said two days ago that he thinks the Flyers are going to win game six and they're going to lose game seven. So I, you know, I, uh, I take that seriously. So, of course, my heart wants the Flyers to win because they were my adopted team going in, which I do every year for the NHL because I don't really have a team. And, uh, and uh, I, I worry about that. But it was, a, it was great to see, and it's also great to see the fact that three out of the four NHL semifinal, you know, semifinal conference series are all tied at three, and all of them involve a team that has come back from three to one down, mm. which is amazing. You know, we thought Dallas was in. We thought Vegas was in. We thought the Islanders were in just a few days ago. It was a done deal for all those series, and now they're all going to a game seven. And to me, in the postseason, competing for the you know for the right to play in the conference finals, that's pretty exciting. Wow, you love Game Seven so much that you like with Major League Baseball skips right to one for the wild card round. Just plays a Game Seven. That's it. it. It's a Game Seven I right know. away, right out it. of the bat. The first thing you ha- now, not this year, obviously, builds up no dramatic tension though. It I just I, I liked what where they were coming from and we'll never see that again by the way. We will never see that again. We are going to have an expanded playoffs and that's not ever going to we're always going to see at least a three game series from here on out. But I always loved it because it put uh it put the onus on winning the division because there were years and years John and Jeff if you remember where like Boston and New York they were already qualified for the playoffs. And so there was no interest in who won that AL East division. Right. It just took all of that drama out. And so I appreciated Major League Baseball adding drama to the end of the season. The, the winning the division mattered because if you don't win, you have one game. You have a game seven. You have a game seven. You're straight serious. to game seven. Uh, yeah, which I loved as well because the stakes couldn't have been higher right out of the gate. All right. I want to stick on hockey for a minute because I want to talk about the Stars and the Avalanche. Um I said this the other day, and I, I just always thought the Avalanche were a better team. Um, and they obviously have the best player on the ice in Nathan McKinnon, I think, at that. He may be the best player in hockey right now. Um, so I'm relatively certain that uh, the, the Avalanche win that series. I think they were, I, I think it's more about them elevating their play than it is uh, Dallas playing poorly, frankly. Anyone? Well, I, I agree with you. Their 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 offense has has had to step up and be what it what it is because in goal they've had some serious problems. And I think now the backup goalie that was starting for them is even injured. So they may but they may have the guy from uh, accounting coming in for game <laughs> seven. So what's your uh, ideal final, John? Again. My ideal final at this point, uh, Western Conference final or all, all no, no Stanley, Stanley Cup final. Uh, I'd like to see the Islanders. I, I'd like to see the Islanders and the Avalanche. I think. E. How about you, Jeff? I'd like to see the Islanders and the Canucks. 
I know I said it's I, not going to happen, but I would love to see that. I do like the Canucks. I've been a soft spot for them, but I just kind of I I don't I, I think I think uh, Vegas still wins that series. I agree with you. I don't think they get I don't think they get out of that series. Hope I'm wrong. Uh, cause I pulled for them before when for inexplicable reasons, other than Vancouver is just such an amazing place. Um, Except yeah, I like to be in uh, skyline. Yeah. Mark doesn't care for the skyline. He believes it to be dystopian. Um, it's, it, so, it's all that green glass. It's it just disturbing. Great. Vancouver is like San Francisco, but with nice people. Ooh, I didn't find the people in San Francisco to be unpleasant, Mark. Or that was that was no. just a shot across the bow. I was, oh, I was just no. Well, no, I mean they're you no, know Vancouver. You know Vancouver is a gorgeous city. You know it it's got a lot of the similar properties as San Francisco. There's no doubt. There's uh, you know you've got mountains, you've got oceans, you've got this great downtown and this great vibe in the city. But then you look at the skyline. It's just not as pretty as San Francisco's skyline. You come across the bridge, as Jeff was saying, from Sausalito, from Marin County, and that's just a stunning view. Yeah, but that's, if you're going to set the bar on San Francisco's well, skyline. Well, Jeff just compared Jeff just compared it to I was just making And that is the bar. That is my bar. New York has a great skyline. You know, there's a lot of cities that have a lot of great. I love great skylines. There's a lot of great cities in this. Country. I want to get down on the ground and I want to see what it's like down there. You're just you're so San Francisco uh, is a beautiful city to drive into from multiple different angles. I will give you oh, it's, that. It doesn't look like any other city in America. I give it that first time I was out there for the Coit Tower audio tour that I wrote. Uh, yeah, I I had to phone Mark from uh, Coit Tower and say, all right, because I'd picked on it. I'd called it the Jacksonville of the West for a long time. Uh, and yeah, uh, not even calling Jacksonville the San Francisco of the right. East, calling San Francisco the Jacksonville of the West. Sorry, yeah. nothing now, against Jacksonville. I have a lot of people I love that are from Jacksonville. Now you have to because you know it's just like you're pretending that you like women's softball just because your your daughter played softball. It's because you, of a league of their own. You pretend to like Jacksonville, even though you think Jacksonville. You you you've said it uh, many many times off the record. You think it's an it's an armpit that if uh, if Vin Scully had ever visited there, he would advocate for its being burned to the ground like the hellhole that it I've, is. I've gained appreciation for uh, Jacksonville in the subsequent twenty years when I. Since I first made that statement to you, John. All right, fair enough. All right, let's move on to uh, our progressive trivia, and we'll we'll talk about some more things. I'm just excited about all the game sevens and the NBA playoffs. Finally, starting it's amazing. Today. September's the best month. September 2020, the best sports month ever. All right, ten plus seasons in the majors. Seven time All Star played with Melky Cabrera and Matt Kemp. His one loss record as a we as we know he's obviously a pitcher seven games over five hundred in his career he's only seven games over five hundred but a seven time All Star I was a rookie of the year I won a World Series this is one of my favorites he was drafted in the thirty third round of the draft decided to stay in college for one year and he improved his draft position by thirty rounds the next year was drafted in the third round and he's pitched an immaculate inning. Which is nine pitches, all strikes. Uh, nine pitches, all strikes. Three, three up, three down, all strikeouts. Nine strikes, nine or nine pitches, which is pretty cool. I love, I love that. That's you know a, a stat in baseball. That's fun. All right, now let's let's move on to the story. We didn't really talk about this, but uh, it, it it engendered a uh, an idea in my mind. Uh, Steve Nash been named the head coach of uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Nash with. No head coaching experience. 
uh, whether or not you agree with that. Uh, apparently, that was Kevin Durant wanted Steve Nash there. And as we know, the NBA is a superstar-driven league. Um, I don't know if Steve Nash will have any success. No one has any idea because there's absolutely nothing to go on. I like Steve Nash a great deal. I loved him as a player. He's a smart guy. Been around basketball all his life. He guess he could have success. But it brought to me the, the it, it um, engendered the idea in me. Are there any superstar players that you guys know that you would like to see move into coaching that you think would be successful? Any sport, somebody that it speaks to you that this guy would be a good coach? Well, I will say this. Like in the NBA, I mm-hmm. think the go-to wisdom is if you're a point guard, you're directing the offense, you're seeing the court, blah blah Catcher, if second you're, baseman. You're a catcher, exactly. <laughs> if you're a catcher in Major League Baseball, I don't know what the position is in football. You might make an argument for middle linebacker or captain of the defense that's mm-hmm. looking at all of the things. You could also make an argument for a quarterback, I suppose. But I don't think there's been a lot of successful ex-quarterbacks as coaches in the National Football League, at least off the top of my head. Uh, but I think uh, that a natural is Buster Posey. Buster Posey will be a great manager. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's a catcher. He's smart. He has been an MVP, a rookie of the year. He's won three World Series. He's He worked very well with that pitching staff that was on paper wasn't stellar but became stellar in the postseason. I think Buster Posey is is my now, number one pick, John Pell. Now Lenny Rowe has uh, has chimed in with Peyton Manning, and I would I would disagree for any number of levels. First, I've built my career, uh, my former career, on slamming <laughs> one pad on slamming Peyton Manning to the point that I got a guy just upset <laughs> at at the ESPN were, Club at Disney you were one yelling night. at him. Uh, doesn't, I wasn't, matter. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I and then I said Peyton Manning's a loser like his old man. And the guy just lost his mind. I know. And wanted to like. Because Archie Manning is a saint in Louisiana and all that. Right. And Archie Manning played in what? what, How many years did he play in the National Football League? Like 12 years. 13-ish, 12, yeah. 12, 13 years. So he played like almost 200 games. How many of those did he win, Mark? Four. Four. He was four and 194 and two ties, I believe that. Four, 194 and two ties. By no yardstick was Archie Manning a winner in the NFL. He'll even admit it. He was a loser. And I think you said like his father. Not not even his old man. man. No, I think like his father. So it it even cuts even deeper because you're sort of not honoring the father, if you will. You know, all that kind of stuff. And that was after I said that Peyton Manning was the fourth best quarterback in his his family. (laughs) (laughs) Because obviously Eli. Eli. Archie. Uh, behind Archie. I think Archie and, was a better And behind Leo. <laughs> Leo Manning, the unknown Manning brother. That's right. Well, the drunk, Le- poor yes. Leo. Just, I don't just think Peyton, I, drink. I don't really think Peyton Manning would be a great coach. And I think part of that is it's that superstar thing that, particularly in football, it just seems like guys who are superstar players yeah. don't, it just doesn't translate. And I wonder with a guy like Manning, who is, was, the detail-oriented part, yes, I think that's that's excellent. But the, the the striving for perfection and 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 getting relatively close as a quarterback, playoff wins notwithstanding, those are team losses largely. Even though Peyton had his moments, I think it's difficult for a guy who's that good. Uh, and I, I know his I know his name's Cooper Lenny Lenny Lenny's 
chiming in Cooper Manning. I know we made up Leo Manning. He's, there's a <laughs> there's a whole backstory for Leo Manning. There's a there's a disturbing backstory that Mark and I have created for Leo Manning yeah, it's and, sad. It's and a injured sad, Peyton Manning disturbing, and and just tragic. like the tear from like the Indian from the uh, littering commercial from the just, commercial back. You know, because yeah, all of our references are around. 50 years old. But I think there's I think there's a difficulty for guys like that to um it's the Ted Williams syndrome. They, they yeah, they they can't relate to the to the average player. I think no, there's it, a, it's like hit the ball well. Hit 400. Right. Why aren't you hitting 400? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Why aren't you hitting 400? Do, are you studying the pitcher? Are you are you doing all the things that I did? Yeah. Yes, I am. Well, why aren't you hitting 400 then? No, it's it's that. As a matter of fact, you look in the NBA and how many iconic players were successful head coaches. Now, there's an iconic player who was a brilliant general manager, Jerry West. Well, you see that again. Steve Eiserman comes to mind, a guy who was who's an excellent general manager. Uh, Kevin McHale had some success. Jason did. Kidd had some success. But um, I can't think of any any ex any iconic ex player. I can't think I, of that in the NFL either. I can, and unfortunately, we'll never see it because unfortunately, we lost him. But I think Kobe would have been a great coach. Maybe, maybe. But boy, that's the big. Super. I thought I, Chris Bosh would be a great coach. I that's also the guy that I always thought. I also think Tim Duncan could be a, a good coach. That's a good call. That's a good call. I could see that. I could also see LeBron. Believe it or not. He's, uh, well, I the mean, issue, of course, is the Ted Williams syndrome. They're, but they're going to have to they're going to have to make he, sure that he has no player personnel uh, decision making, though, because he seems to be. Really I'll tell you, though, he elevates the play of the rest of the, of the rest of his team. So I think he could coach the lesser players, the mediocre players, the uh, second tier players, if you will. And he also, you know, it might as well be a point guard in terms of how he directs that team. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I know that people would, that would be a controversial choice, but don't you think that's amazing that Steve Nash is, ah, eh? and then if LeBron were to be named without any head coaching experience, I mean, people would lose their minds. Yeah. Steve yeah. Nash. Oh, I think he could probably be okay. Comes down to the same thing, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but I, I threw out there. I have, I always thought Chris Bosch was a guy that I thought would be a good, uh, would be a good head coach because I, like I, I, I always liked Bosch's demeanor. He never seemed to get too high or too low. He's an incredibly bright guy, uh, both at basketball intelligence and intelligence outside of that. But you know, Jeff brings up a great point. I, I the coach general manager thing. I just, I just think that's a thing of the past. Frankly, I, I just don't think you're there's you do just both. too much now on your plate to do it, that sort it's, of thing. It's I just, just don't not and it's just not the same skill set. It's like saying no. like uh, I, the the uh, kitchen manager can be the, the cook. It's just they're, they're two different skill sets. Right. Right. I just think I think it's just too difficult in the era of luxury taxes and sports with uh, uh, caps on salary. I just I think it, my God, we, there are probably a third of the GMs in the NFL don't understand the salary cap. Can you imagine their coach and GM for, for the love of God? I just don't, I just don't think it's good, but that was the name that came to mind for me. And football is very difficult for me to come up with somebody in, in the NFL that I, mean, I think, do you think Brady would be a good. No, coach? not at all. No, okay. I really don't. I just, you know, and it's the history of superstar quarterbacks. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Bart Starr, 
not not was good. it was an incredibly mediocre head coach. Now Oof. there were there are issues as to you know it, it, it depends on the situation. Certainly, Norm Van Brocklin not a good head coach. Norm Van Brocklin was an average head coach, um, but yeah, I, obviously not great. Um, just coming up with somebody in the NFL. But Shula and Landry were linebackers, right? Shula, uh, defensive backs, both of them. Shula and Landry were both defensive backs. That's actually, and, the uh, like, the safety is actually kind of like your linebacker thing, a guy that sees the whole field and sees what's going on from a defensive standpoint as well. Richard Sherman would be an interesting head coach in that sense. I think he would be interesting. Uh, what about, uh, you know, what about Lombardi? He was an offensive lineman, correct? Yeah, it, yeah, he was Fordham often, but he didn't play in the NFL. Uh, he just played in college. But yeah, he's one of the seven blocks of granite at Fordham. Uh, Bill Parcells was a defensive lineman at Wyoming. Um, John Madden was a defensive lineman as well. Um, but in terms of NFL stardom, yeah, know, For- Forrest Gregg was an offensive lineman. And Forrest Gregg is one of the best football, iconic, yeah, Hall of Famer, and got his team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, so that's a good maybe one. offensive line. That makes sense. Offensive um, line, those guys, you know, in a lot of ways, they have to be, you know, pretty bright. They have to get the entire scheme. And and the uh, the cliche that, you know, what makes you successful is how you play up front is still, I think, you know, offensive and defensive line are as important in the NFL as anything other than quarterback, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a good one. But I just I have struggle coming up with names of guys who, um, uh, you know, we look at guys who are coaches right now. Mike Vrabel was a middle linebacker. So yep. I think that's... Uh, I think middle linebacker, that makes sense, too. I thought Singletary was going to have a lot more success than he did. He, that, yeah. that surprised me. Yeah, he, he he really get He never got a second look, either, which is... He didn't. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I think a lot of it was the toxic environment of the 49ers front office at the time. Yeah, and there were some blow-ups on the sidelines and stuff with him. Now, Harbaugh. Harbaugh's a good example. Yeah. Harbaugh was a pretty good, pretty pretty good, good quarterback. Not, not a Hall of Famer. No. But he he did very well in the NFL, obviously. Uh, Joe Conley uh, saying Jason Witten, but uh, he'll never do it because he's going to make more money than God as an announcer. And so why would you want to you know put yourself through be, being a head coach? Though I bet you if Mark, Mike McCarthy – flamed out Jason Witten could walk into Jerry Jones office and get that job probably tomorrow. Uh, you know, you know, John Stockton, I think is a good one too. Yeah. You know, Tony Romo after he's, he seemed to, the way he was able to announce in the booth and have such an understanding of how the game flow was going to happen. Yeah. Not being on the sideline, he could make a really good, good, That's co- a good point. coach too. I like yeah. that one a lot. And then Phil Jackson, of course, wasn't a superstar. But he won a couple of NBA championships with the Knicks. See, he's a winner. Yes. Archie Manning, loser. Phil Jackson, winner. <laughs> Eric Spolstra, sometime winner. So so let me <laughs> say this. Sometime mediocre. <laughs> so let me say this. Uh the would Eli be the better head coach than Peyton then? Because Eli's obviously the better winner. I would I would hire Eli ahead of Peyton. I my problem yeah. with Eli having interviewed him, he's a uh C minus list communicator. Yeah. 
He's, don't you having he, if you had interviewed Bill, Bill Belichick, wouldn't you say the same exact thing now? Uh, That's a good point. But it's a different. It's a different. Bill Belichick has this incredibly commanding preference uh, presence when you're with him, and uh, and off. By the way, off the record, he's actually very funny and very friendly. I mean, he it, it really is flip the switch when the cameras are on with Belichick. But don't, uh, don't get me wrong. He, I understand Eli Manning looks like he could have played a role in Of Mice and Men. You no, know, and one of the things, one of the, the things role, that, George, not Lenny. One right. of the things that I think was helpful for Eli Manning, and it, and if you will ever see the thirty for thirty, the uh, book Correction, of Manning, the way around, Lenny, not George. Uh, the thirty for thirty, uh, the book of Manning. I think it's a thirty for thirty or an SEC documentary. They they talked about you know Eli always had the most friends, but he didn't even know what their names were half the time, and he. I think the laid-back demeanor of Eli Manning served him incredibly well in Super Bowl games because I don't think he – I mean, he obviously felt the pressure, but it just didn't affect him the way seemingly it affected Peyton in big games. And it's interesting, too. You wonder about head coaches. You wonder about a charisma factor, a factor about communicating. You know, obviously Peyton – seems to have more charisma, if you will, than than Eli. And it seems yeah. like most head coaches are able to get in front of a microphone and communicate with a confident nature. Right. Erlacher is a great idea, Lenny. He uh, proposes Brian Erlacher on paper, certainly middle linebacker, you know, from a from a franchise that that is the position. Oh, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh, but he is he is a he recedes when talking to people. Yeah. He's beyond humble. He's were you making were you making a hair shy. joke? He when doesn't you chose have the that word presence recede. that you want. What's that? Was were you making have? a hair joke when you used the word recede? <laughs> receding. Yes, he is receding. You know, uh, and and that was that's one we forgot actually is Ditka, who was a Hall of Fame player. Oh, that's a good one. And and that's and a great a, one. you know you you have to say he was a good NFL head coach. He wasn't a great NFL head coach. I don't think by any stretch, but he was a good head coach and got you know the mo- maybe the most dominant single season team. In history, though, Buddy Ryan had a little bit to do yeah, with that. But that's another thing is like, who, who are you going to bring around you? I just think it's an interesting it's an interesting question. Everybody talking about Steve Nash and what kind of success he might have. And that this, you know, by acquiescing to what Kevin Durant wanted, which was, you know, I want and I'm putting words in Durant's mouth. But, you know, somebody who was a player, uh, a successful player who knows what it's like to um, to uh, to deal with superstars, I guess. But but we just there there's no. Tail of the tape on a guy like that. So. And that that franchise, Brooklyn slash New Jersey, did that before with Jason Kidd. Yeah. So with two moderate success. I mean, Kidd had a couple of good years with he him. Made and it then to he the left for Milwaukee and had some some decent success and could be argued that he helped build the team that is up there now. Good point. All right. Uh all right. Enough of this. I just think it's a fun discussion. And and hopefully maybe maybe next week we'll think about it more and think about guys in the NFL who you think would uh, would be good coaches, but uh, yeah, that's that's a, tough, that's a tough one. Dick is the best example so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's get to our final set of clues for our progressive trivia before we move on to the final segment uh, discussion segment. Here are our first eight clues. Spent ten plus seasons in the majors, seven time All Star, played with Melky Cabrera and Matt Kemp. One loss record as a pitcher, seven games over five hundred in his career. Uh, next set of clues. I was a rookie of the year. I've won a World Series. I was drafted in the 33rd round of the amateur draft, decided to stay in college, and improved my position by 30 rounds. Drafted in the third I'm round. I'm sorry, you probably don't like that picture, John, because it doesn't 
paint you in the best light in your mind? I know no picture really does. Uh, that's I, I got a lot worse pictures. Uh, yeah, that one, that one's that one's decent. I look, you know, I look like I've had a couple of pops. <laughs> and it's a run Disney weekend, so yeah, probably. Yeah, it's good uh, good, good times. Uh, I pitched uh, an immaculate inning, which again means uh, three up, three down on nine pitches, which is just so cool. I love that. <laughs> All right, here we go. I was two-time reliever of the year. My career ERA is 2.17, played for four teams, and I'm the Major League Baseball's active leader in saves, which surprised me initially, and then I looked at who's still active because, you know, I'm old. And I'm thinking, whoa, what about Trevor Hoffman, who apparently retired 17 years ago or more? Okay. Um, but this guy is the uh, active leader in saves in Major League Baseball. All right. Our final uh, discussion topic was uh, to remind everyone, one week from today, we will have had actual football that counts. We actually didn't have any football that didn't count this year, uh, which... Uh, one of the good things about 2020, no preseason games, because nothing makes me angrier than somebody coming into a sports bar and demanding a preseason game on when there's a Major League Baseball game. That means Especially something. the audio. Oh, my God. The Lions and the Jaguars are playing a preseason I game. I need to hear it. I need to. What do you need to hear? You can see it. Why do people need to hear the game? Fifth you round, can see the game. Your fifth-round rookie quarterback out of southwest Louisiana, he, he's got a chance to start. Narrator, he didn't start, nor did he make the team. Well, um, the, the people that are most interested in the preseason are, are fans of teams like the Lions and the Jags. Right. Let's face it. Right, because all hope dies in September. That's true. <laughs> Spring training in Major League Baseball, it's the, uh, you know, it's the... Seattle Mariner fans, man, they love spring training. <laughs> All right. Uh, our final discussion is it is a week from now. So <clears throat> Houston, Kansas City, a great opening night game. I like that one a lot. Defending Super Bowl champions and a Houston Texan team that we every year we we either decide they're going to win everything or they won't make the playoffs. And what they eventually do is get to the playoffs and lose in the first game. Generally. Um what are the headlines going to be on Friday morning? Will they be about even about the game? What will what do you think the headline will be on Friday morning for the first game of the NFL season, Mark? I just feel like it's more of an emotional thing. I think football is so connected to the American psyche at this point in time. It's it's like it's part of our body. There's a connective tissue to our to our very existence with the NFL. So I think it's going to be more emotional, not as much about the game, you know, something like we're back, you know, we're back kind of thing, it, you know, or back to parenthetically relative or, or, or the new parenthetically, the new back to normal, you know, the new normal. I like or, that back to the parenthetically new normal. Yeah. I like I think, that. I think that's the Let's vibe go. of what's going to happen in terms of the description of the game. Well, let's go one under that, Mark, then. Uh, I like that a lot for the big headline. But what's the, what's the subtext headline directly under that as far as the act, the game itself, either on the field or in the empty to 25% full stadium? I'm not 100% sure what, what we're going to have for that game. I expect the Chiefs to come out uh, on fire and... Um... I think it'll be like they're back, that kind yeah. of thing. Under underneath will be the subtitle, and um, 
I don't know. Some teams aren't. I don't think the 49ers are having any fans, but other stadiums are having fans. Yeah. So I don't know what can't what Arrowhead Stadium policies are. Yeah. We, it's in it's in Missouri. So my thinking is that they're going to allow maybe twenty five percent. They'll overfill the place and they'll have the uh, no uh, mask mandate. Designated coughing at halftime. Is that uh, that's just everybody and, just coughing and everybody else's face? There's no hopes. social distancing in the beer lines at all. It's just you know pack them all in. They're, they got to make their nut. Just they keep putting. Make, you know the Hunt family. Put it, just keep putting pictures of Kirk Cousins up for everybody to cheer or that sort of thing. You know <laughs> our our patron saint, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Anyway, I, I no, I don't know what their I don't know what Arrowhead's policy is. We should probably know that, but before it happens, but uh, it's. There, there's not a overall policy for the National Football League. Every right. team has been given the freedom to decide how many fans, if any, they want at their games. And I don't like the fact that the Niners aren't having any fans. Come on. I don't I don't like I, – I talked to a buddy of mine. This is off topic, John. No, it's all right. But I talked to a buddy of mine who is in the uh, the restaurant business. He's actually – a big wig. He's a president of a company that controls 36 different franchises of, of, uh, of, of a variety of different restaurant brands. And he says, California is tough. California yeah. is very tough. They, nothing's inside. Everything is 25%. And it's, and it's a, and it's a set rate. 25% doesn't matter how the place is laid out. It does. It takes, it takes, it's so typically bureaucratic. It takes nothing into effect with individual restaurants right. or, and so, and and they're already the most overregulated industry out there. So I just think California is. I mean, I, I you know, it just it just feels this way. It does feel like the blue states are more locked down, and the red states are less. Well, it's kind of. I true. wish I wish it didn't but... feel like that, but yeah. But California is is pretty locked down, and this is a good example. They're not allowed, and it's outdoor stadium. Why can't you have twenty five percent of the people in there well, with masks? Listen, I you know you know me screaming left wing liberal commie pinko freedom hater. Nobody's bluer than I am. I'm so blue. I'm almost purple. Um, no wait, well, that's no, wrong. I'm the other way. I'm, I'm like I'm darker blue. To purple. I'm yeah. I'm yeah. I'm like I'm shade you're, you're almost, darker than navy. You're navy. Blue. Yeah. You're 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 navy blue. You're almost not blue at all. Uh, uh, but uh, colorless. I, I don't disagree. If people could get on airplanes, why couldn't you fill Dodger Stadium twenty five percent for baseball games? That I, you know, I want to again. Not a medical professional. My opinion. Uh, Lenny Rowe, by the way, uh, chiming in and saying that uh, said twenty two percent, sixteen thousand. They're going to have in the stadium at Arrowhead. I believe that's what he's uh, commenting right, on. I like so. That. Yeah, I like and that. I just saw. I don't know about the NFL, but I did see Florida Field, uh, the swamp up there in Gainesville. They're going to go with twenty percent. Is going to be what I they're like gonna that have. too. What, and I think we, I think we'd all talked on the show about the fact that we thought. 33% would be about the most anybody would have. It would be up to about a third, at least starting the season. And then hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that at some point we cross the Rubicon on this thing and uh, start moving um, in the right direction. I, I think November 1st or November 2nd is when we're going to get the vaccine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so seriously, no, no, no. If you talk to someone from the right, they'll say the coronavirus will be over if Joe Biden wins. Okay. Because the Democrats have used this to try and, you know, not reelect Trump. And okay. then if you're and if you're speaking to a left wing person, they'll say, yeah, sure enough, they'll unveil the vaccine. Yeah, it will be a November surprise, not even an October surprise. Well, okay. the funny the funny thing is that you say that and I, this isn't a new show, but they did just say that the attorney general said to uh, or the the surgeon general said to be ready for or the states should be ready for 
a rollout of a vaccine on November 1st. I yeah. saw that. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. It is. Oh, yeah. It's literally November 1st. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just hilarious. <laughs> by by the way, by the way, I really feel like this game, Houston and Kansas City, is a tale of two running backs. It's either going to be David Johnson's back and Houston is going to be a world beater and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, or this Edwards Hilaire kid is going to make that offense so much better. And because uh, nobody's going to come out and say, Patrick Mahomes was great. Or Tyreek Hill was great. <laughs> right, right, right. It's going to be all about these two running backs, whether or not I, th- to- I agree. I, because I talked about it before. What I saw in that college football game and what you know other people are talking about and what I've seen is that the thing the thing's going to take the longest amount of time to get to you know, a level play is quarterback receiver play because they just haven't had the, that's a repetition thing. And you haven't had that. Um, so I think, I actually think Houston's going to win the game. I think Houston is going to upset them because I think they will run the ball on them. And uh, I think uh, uh, I'd like, I think the dream is over. So I've, I've used it once again, but uh, the, the dream is over is my headline. I think, I, and I think we're all <laughs> gonna, one game. That's no, oh, absolutely. Over Mark. That's, come on. You know, no, it's perfect. People are going to be writing off Patrick. The Why did they spend is that money? Over. The dream is over. Now they also, you know, Houston also has Duke Johnson. Yeah. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty good combination of running backs. Yeah. I think they're going to be run, able to run the ball on them. And I think running the ball is the thing. And, you know, it's, we, we always say, first week during a regular season with, without all the stuff that's going on now, it, it, it's the one week where you can have the most inexplicable upsets because you, you just don't know where everybody is a hundred percent until it is a regular season game. See, um, but, you know, Houston, I don't know how they're, I don't know how they're going to immediately bounce back from Hopkins being dealt. Uh, you know, they've got Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb. What's the, what, what's that average age of those two uh, wide receivers, John? Average age? Yeah. 54. Exactly. 54. So I'm just concerned about the weapons. The uh, And, and maybe, maybe that's your point, yesterday, Jeff, about it. It's more about the running back. What's that? <laughs> hopefully, before yesterday, ho- both turned 54. Hopefully they're both 54, because I'd hate yes, one they- of those guys to be 60. <laughs> right. No, one of them's 30. So the other is, you know, 89. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, just ha- I just have a feeling that uh, Kansas City is going to get upset, and it's going to be – and we're going to be writing the epitaph of – the, the Mahomes era is over. He, he, Robert I mean, Griffin, Robert hilarious. Griffin the third, but you know, multiplied by three. So we had three seasons of being great. Um, but I, I just uh, that that would be my guess is that that's going to happen. And but it's I do a, agree. A night game in can in Arrowhead, and you still think they're going to yeah gonna beat him? Yeah, I do. I do. And the dream is over. And I completely agree with Jeff. Yep, I completely agree with Jeff. It's all going to be about uh, the running backs. Wouldn't that, it be funny for the San Francisco Chronicle? to say our long national nightmare is over so that they actually think it's more of a nightmare that the chiefs beat the Niners in the Super Bowl than, than the coronavirus, for instance. Yeah. Well, Cause I it's think- like, all right, it's, it's been a nightmare having the chiefs beat. Actually not that no 49er fan has any ill will to the chiefs. It's not like the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. It's not like, you know, any other te- team or in some cases, the Raiders winning the Super Bowl. Yep. Agreed. All right. One more thing to talk about before we uh, give the answer to our progressive trivia and get out of here. And that is that Cam Newton has been named starting quarterback for the New England Patriots and a captain. Your feelings? Well, was there ever any doubt? I think there was. I mean, the captain thing is different, but was there? I mean, I never thought there was a doubt. I knew there was stories about it being a doubt. I knew that people love to just, you know, stir stuff up to talk about the Patriots and the quarterback battle. Really? Cam Newton? 
course he was going to be the starter. As long as he was healthy, he was going to be the starter. I don't that – is, that is a typical non-story story that is turns out to be a non-story. Right, and if he hadn't started week one, the headline would be career is over. I think I think that Cam Newton may end up being the best story to come out of the NFL this year. I think that I'd love it. With, I'd love that with a coach like Bill Belichick and a and a team that plays like a team that's going to humble him. Because I think really one of his biggest problems was always that he thought of himself as a superstar more than more than he needed to. I think someone needed to knock him down a couple levels, which I think a guy like Belichick has already done. I think that he could potentially take that team into the playoffs and maybe do some damage in the playoffs, which would be a really oh. a neat story. Boy, boy, I love I tell it. You, fan bases and, and, in Miami and New Miami, York would just oh lose gosh, their freaking minds. Will and I will look forward to that. I hate to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It really is gonna be fun. And uh, you know, there was some there was some rumor that people started the rumor that Leonard Fournette was gonna go to the Patriots. That his people started that rumor so somebody else would sign them, and he did sign. Um, Tampa Bay, Tampa Tampa Bay signed him, which is which interesting. is a great the sign. other New England. Yes, yeah. the the other New England. He went to one of the two New England. That was it. There was just a slight mistake on that. All right, let's give you the answer to the progressive trivia, and then we'll uh, wrap things up and get out of here. Uh, Tampa Bay, New England. Lenny saying, yeah, "Well, hell, it would be it would be fun." But now it's twenty twenty, so we're going to get uh, Pittsburgh, Dallas. Yeah, but even that's fun. What's the no, worst what case? We're going to get Yankees, Dodgers, Celtics, Lakers, and Steelers, Cowboys. What's the worst case scenario? Jaguars. Uh, man, who's uh, who's the oh, NFC the worst team for, for football, John? The worst like, possible. I mean, teams that could get there. So don't you know? We're not going to do Cincinnati and whomever else, Detroit. Uh, but you know, a, a matchup that it could be that would just be like, blah. Well, San Diego would be fun, and they could yeah. get there. Yeah, I like them. I think Pittsburgh or Cleveland would be fun if, and they they would get there. I don't think anyone in the East is going to get there. Frankly, unless it's New England, um, so in 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 the AFC it's tougher, but in the NFC, you know, if um, if Green Bay got there, it'd be fun because Aaron Rodgers, you know, uh, last I know, I know, it's a little kind of that one's a little bit, but it depends um, on who they play. Green Bay, Kansas City would be amazing. Yeah, As you know, throwback. Dallas they haven't been there in so long. Right. Philly because they've been so banged up that would be still be a fun story. New York and Washington just because there's no way they could get there and how no. did they? Now I just mean teams that could possibly get there. What what would be the 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 equivalent of the St. Louis Cardinal World Series? What would be the equivalent that just would you lose? Probably the Saints. Saints. Yeah. You know. Eh. Now if. Jameis, if, if Breeze gets hurt and Jameis takes over, then I'd be all in. But if it's mm. Drew Breeze and Sean Payton, uh, you know, I'm just. Uh... Uh, but it's it's St. Louis Cardinals esque for me. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Let's give you the uh, the answer to a progressive trivia. Ten plus years in the major, seven time All Star, played for Melky with Melky Cabrera. Four. <laughs> we've we've I've I've, uh, I've elevated Melky Cabrera to. Uh, to manager status, played with Melky Cabrera and Matt Kemp, won loss record seven games over five hundred. I uh, was rookie of the year, won a World Series, drafted in the thirty third round of the of uh, the amateur draft. Stayed in college for a year and improved my draft position by thirty rounds. Drafted in the third round, pitched an immaculate inning, nine up, nine down on nine pitches. Excuse me, three up, three down, because the other would be nine up, nine down on nine pitches would be not immaculate. Just be wouldn't be immaculate at all. 
Uh, two-time reliever. The fact that they let nine people up in one inning might be, though, after, you know, you think after four outs, at least, they'd be like, ah, I'll wrap this one up. Two-time reliever of the year, a career ERA 2.17, played for four teams, Major League Baseball's active leader in saves, and the answer is Craig Kimbrell. I had That's no idea one. that Kimbrell was the, was the active leader in saves. I really didn't. And, and 2.17 is right for a reliever. But, I mean, the thing was is that you didn't think it was, he was a reliever until the last slide, basically, unless you put together – Seven all-star games, seven games over 500. But, you know, that's a Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan-esque career. Yep. Multiple all-star games and very close to a 500 pitcher. So I just thought he was a starter the whole time. By the way, lack of interest game, Lenny wrote Seattle and Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be. Had, yeah, that would be. But great of stories. Philip Rivers getting there finally after leaving. And, you know, of course, Russell Wilson, we all believe, deserves another ring. But, uh, yeah. Well, would be well, this would be great if it was Seattle Indy. And Seattle gets off to a huge lead. Like it looks like they're going to beat him like they beat Denver when Peyton Manning couldn't even catch the, his first snap of the Super Bowl. And uh, and then they come back Frank Reich style. Indy comes back and Frank Reich then has the be- biggest comeback in college football history. Okay. The biggest comeback as a player in NFL history and the biggest comeback as a coach in Super Bowl history. That's yeah, that yeah, there are a lot of and uh, Joe Conley said Buffalo and New Orleans, but my God, to get that Buffalo team there, that would be something. I think we all agree that New Orleans bores us in the Super Bowl. No offense. <laughs> no offense. No we offense. Thought, I love Drew Brees. I, I do, too. He's he's a class act all the way. And um, that's a loaded team. There's no doubt about it. Certainly offensively. And they got Emmanuel Sanders now and uh, Kamara's healthy. It's going to be scary. It's going to be scary that 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 NFC South. Could be the most interesting division in all of pro football, Jeff. Finally, years after I said Five years after you Five years after I deemed it so. It is It is actually true. All right, before we get out of there, anything else you guys feel like you need to get off your chest before we, we move on and Mark finds himself three-quarters of the way into a bottle of gin? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, still, it's Friday. It is. It, but it does, again, again, right. what does that even mean? Yeah, the new meme. Uh, it used to be, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere. And, and now the new meme about drinking is it's 2020 all the time. So just have at it. So on Monday, yeah. we have Derek Abbott joining us. And uh, he's going to break down the Baltimore Ravens, which will be a lot of fun. He is going to uh, talk about his new YouTube channel, Quarterback School. Um, he'll uh, will feature an interview. You know, we'll do the highlights about a minute and a half interview of uh, Mark uh Gorsek, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then on Friday, and then Wednesday, we're going to have our deep dive of the Steagles. That's John Pelkey. I thought it was the deep dive today. Yeah. Mark, Mark sends me a text today. Hey, man, if you uh, give me the pictures so I can get them all in order. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. What are you and, talking and about? I'm like, it's, we're doing that on Wednesday. We, we decided we were doing that on Wednesday. We just Eel. decided that two days ago. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, on Friday, then we have the deep dive on Wednesday. We have Derek Abbott on Monday. On Friday, we've got our inaugural fabulous football fun, fabulous <laughs> Friday, football Friday. Every every week, there's going to be an extra fantastic or fabulous thrown in there. By the end of the season, it's going to be like 1,700 words. And we're going to feature Sean Gavin, who has a a, a YouTube channel called Receiver School similar to quarterback school. We're going to feature him. We're going to feature Kendall Gammon as well, who will be talking about the uh, 
the Kansas City Chiefs. Kendall Gammon spent more than a decade in the National Football League as a tight end and a long snapper with the Kansas City Chiefs, among other teams. Um, he has a radio show out in Kansas City. Uh, he is in the Pittsburgh State Hall of Fame as an athlete. He's an old friend of ours from the club. He's just great to talk about uh, and to talk to and to talk about, frankly. Uh, one of our favorite people, and we really look forward to having him on the show, and we will have him on to talk about the the team that I believe will uh, will have lost the dream right. on Thursday night. The, the dream will be over as Just, it, when we're going to talk. We're going to ask Kendall Gammon what happened. I think my first question is going to be: Well, it's obvious the mistake was made. Do you trade Mahomes now, or do you wait till the end of the season? That's, that's I think first. that's a good leadoff question. So a lot of football next week yeah. between the Steagles, Derek, Sean, Kendall. But it's going to be, you know, NBA conference finals, NHL conference finals. So we're going to still talk a lot of hockey and NBA on Monday and Friday as well. It's not going to be all football. Right. Oh, yeah, there'll be a lot of stuff. And, uh, and I make a it's prediction. Packed. I'm going to make a prediction that Adrian Peterson signs with the New England Patriots. Uh, he was cut by the Washington uh, the Washington football team. Oof, boy, that's going to be tough. Uh, cut by the Washington football team, and I think he signs with the New England Patriots. So there you go. I think they should have cut Daniel Snyder before Adrian Peterson. <laughs> well, certainly trying. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. For Jeff Taylor, Mark Ferreira, I'm John Pelkey. You've been listening to After Further Review with Mark Ferreira and John Pelkey. Have a great weekend. Talk to you again on Monday.